Welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Turn the Page, the official podcast of Syosset Public Library. I'm Jen, your co-host for today, and I'm here with the author of a book that has just absolutely floored me. I loved it and I can't wait for everybody to read it. So let's get into this. Could I ask you to introduce yourself and your book, please? Sure. Um, my name is Tammy Greenwood and I write under T Greenwood and my book is Such a Pretty Girl. This is my most recent book. It comes out in, on October 25th and it is a story about um, a young actress and her very ambitious stage mother um, set primarily in 1970s New York City, um, but it also takes place in the current time um, with Ryan, who's the main character, the actress, a former actress in the main, main timeline, um, raising her daughter in Vermont and having to revisit her past because of some things that come to light. Mm. Yeah, this book was... Um so fascinating. There's so much I want to ask, but before we get into the book itself, I was wondering if we could uh, start by you talking a little bit about your writing career and some of the, you know, the things that have interested you over time and what you write about and how it led you to this book. Sure, sure. Um, so I'm a veteran. <laughs> I've been doing this a long time now. Um, my first book came out in 1999. So almost 25 years, um, coming up on 25 years. And um, this is my 14th novel. Um, and it's different than all the others. And it's got some similarities. You know, I think there are themes that I come back to again and again, you know, from book to book. Um, one of them being mother and daughter relationships. Um, that really fascinates me. Um, I'm a daughter <laughs> and I have daughters. Um, and um, I also, this book, I just really wanted to explore a lost time and a lost place. So New York City in the 1970s is just such an intriguing period of time, um, especially because it's when I grew up. I was a child, I, I didn't grow up in New York, but I, I was a little girl in the 70s. And this book is very much about the commodification of, of um, young women mm -hmm. um, in Hollywood, in um, the modeling industry, the exploitation of these young girls. And I grew up with, you know, Brooke Shields and Jodie Foster and, you know, all of these young actresses who were like, you know, doing some really edgy, controversial um, films. And, you know, the media that was that I was immersed in as a child is shocking now. <laughs> like I can imagine, you know, my own kids being exposed to, you know, the messages that were being sent to young girls. Um, there's a, in the book, there's, um, um, she models for, it's called um, uh, Baby Love in the, in the book, but it's, it's very clearly modeled after Love's Baby Soft. And Love's Baby Soft's ad campaign in the 1970s was innocence. It's sexier than you think, <laughs> and which is horrible. <laughs> and um, the models often looked either like young girls made up to look older or, you know, women made up to look like girls. And really, you know, I just... It's, I always write, you know, I never write with an agenda, but there are certain things that are important to me that find their way in. And I think, you know, that sort of um, idea of how, how exploitative, um, you know, media was and continues to be 
with young girls is something that really fascinates me. So yeah, there are, there are a lot of, lot of themes that, um, you know, I've explored in other books, um, but this is the first book, you know, that I've written um, about like show business, you know, and um, so that was really fun. It was really sort of a, something I always try to challenge myself and go someplace I haven't been before. And this is a place I hadn't been before. That's very cool. You know, like it's, um, I was very uh, interested to learn just now about like some of the, you know, actual young actresses who may have, uh, you know, you, you may have like been thinking about when writing Ryan and, you know, there was like, it was a very strange era for filmmaking in some ways because it was like only, you know, I guess like a decade after like the code was lifted. So there was just like more mature content in movies in general. And there was real no, I guess, uh, safety measures in place for for children or for young people who were on these sets making these extremely um, mature films. Exactly, exactly. There's a great podcast called You Must Remember This. And I listened over the summer. Um, I did a lot of driving this summer. And um, there was, um, there's a whole series done called the erotic 80s or something. And it was about that. It was about sort of what happened, you know, when, when the code was lifted and then there was, you know, all these movies in the seventies that were really pushing boundaries and, um, you know, taxi driver and pretty baby. And, you know, like a lot of very controversial films um, and, you know, there weren't the rules and protective measures in place. You know, there just wasn't the stuff that's in place. Now I have a, a really dear friend whose daughter is an actress and, you know, it's like your parent is on set with you all the time. There's a teacher there ensuring that your education is not interrupted. You know, there's so many things there's your money is protected. You know, there's all these things that just were not the case when my character was a child actress. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, it seemed doubly dangerous for her because, and this is probably very common with child stars, I imagine, but that she couldn't always necessarily depend on her mother to step in and provide that protection. Um, So let's talk a little bit about like the central mother-daughter relationship, because it's really um, complicated (laughs) and it's (laughs) fascinating and it's hard to characterize as either all bad or all good you know like the the truth is always a little bit more complex than you know trying to characterize things as one or the other so could you talk a little bit about where this relationship came from and how you how you built it well I have to preface this by saying that this is not my mother (laughs) and my relationship with my mom and I've actually had readers I always write these complicated my moms and my mom is like (laughs) so incredibly wonderful and sweet and kind and none of these things (laughs) <laughs> so she was at a reading with me once and um the book actually was about um had a mom who had Munchausen syndrome by oh. proxy and somebody stood up and they were like well where is your mother now and I said she's right there <laughs> <laughs> that's not my mom this is fiction um but anyway so um Fiona is um she's a piece of work. She's, um, you know, she's a, she's a, um, single mother, um, and an aspiring actress herself to meet her. Um, and she and Ryan are living at like an artist community. It's a, um, summer stock theater, but they live there year round. And, um, the dad is not in the picture. Nobody, you know, nobody knows anything about the, the dad. And so she's raising this child, but she's really very childlike herself and very ambitious. And she wants um, to be an actress and she's, you know, diligent with her, studying her lines and, you know, being at the ready. And she's obsessed with like, you know, discovery stories, you know, how certain actresses were discovered. And 
Um, and so when the opportunity arises for her to go to New York City um, um, and try to make a career, she leaps on it and brings this little girl, her daughter with her. Um, and, you know, there's a very fuzzy line between Fiona and Ryan, partly because of age and partly because what is her dream ends up manifesting in her daughter when Ryan is discovered by a modeling agent on the street. And she quickly pivots from, you know, all of that, like ambition and drive and passion. Um, she, you know, channels it into Ryan and her um, but she's also, you know, an alcoholic and she's negligent. Um, you know, she's um, a free spirit, but she's um, kind of counts on the tribe to raise the child <laughs> rather than to, you know, sort of taking charge. And that was another thing that I really wanted to do with this book was to explore the communities, um, you know, these sort of makeshift families. Um, they have one in Vermont. Um, at this, you know, this summer stock theater. And then in New York, they moved to a community which actually exists in real life called West Beth, mm. um, which is an artist residence um, in um, the West Village. And um, it was founded in the late 60s, early 70s to be um, a community of, it's a federally funded community for artists. And that's where they wind up. And, and there are a lot of people who will take care of Ryan. So Fiona doesn't always have to, you know, they live with their friends. Um, it's a, you know, it's a building filled with people. The doors are always open. The children are kind of feral, <laughs> you know, there's, there, there's a community to take care of her. And, you know, I'm not sure how she would behave as a mother if she didn't have that, but I think she also seeks it out. I think mm. she, you know, maybe is aware of her own failings. I like to think she's maybe aware of her own failings and knows that Ryan will be cared for mm -hmm. um, if she disappears for a day or two or three, <laughs> you know, which she does. Um, but yeah, she's a complicated character, but I, you know, I also am writing her through a child's eyes and children love their parents, yes. good parents and bad parents. They love their parents and Ryan loves her mom. Um, and it's only over time that she really starts to see her mom, you know, as being a very flawed, a very flawed person. And that's what this book really is about is that is that moment in time when she goes from sort of being innocent and just full of desire for her mother's love to being to being able to see those cracks mm -hmm. and flaws you know so that's what the book is really about is, yeah. is that, that moment when daughter becomes aware of mother's failings mm. yeah it was really um moving to me and very striking um you know it occurred to me while reading that like everyone kind of like gets to know their parents twice, you know, like you get to know them through a child's eyes and then you kind of get to know them uh, as an adult where you maybe have like a more multifaceted view of them. Um, and a lot of like the dynamics between Ryan and Fiona seems like very um, like codependent almost, I want to say, like Fiona made Ryan like responsible for her, her emotions in right. a lot of real ways and like it um I, I think I maybe identified with the way that Ryan like really does a lot of the parenting for Fiona you know like they're really raising each other in some way yeah, yeah. and I and I think you know there's they are very um there's a line even in the book where you know it's like I, you know she the mother is like you know claiming to be her protector but she knows that she protects her 
mm-hmm. you know, and she spends the bulk of her life protecting her. Um, and as an adult, when the story opens is she has to make a decision if she's going to continue doing that or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, that's a, that's a very difficult thing to do when you, you know, when your entire relationship is that sort of codependent, um, you know, keeping each other's secrets and, you know, um, a lot of things, it takes a certain strength and courage, I think, to break out of that mm-hmm. um, for Ryan anyway. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, there's another mother-daughter dynamic at work too, which is Ryan and her daughter, which is um like a very different relationship. And it's like, it's an interesting to see, um, you know, Ryan as a child and then see Ryan as a mother herself, like trying to maybe forge a different path than her own mother did. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And the interesting thing is that she returns to the place where she grew up. It's almost like a second chance. You know, they she goes back and she, she you know, goes back to this artist community in, in Vermont um, and creates her bubble. She creates this beautiful bubble around her daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's being threatened now too, because her daughter's 18 and all of a sudden she has to let her break out of this bubble. And, and Ryan also has crippling anxiety, which she has had since she was a little girl mm-hmm. and whether or not she's going to allow that to, you know, to sort of rule the, her, the way she treats her daughter and her daughter's very natural, you know, desire to, to grow up, you mm-hmm. know? And um, I think, for me, it was really important to have those dual timelines. Um, you know, not everybody loves the dual timeline, timeline, but I'm fascinated by that because I feel like, you know, these big things happen in the past. And then I want to know, like, how does this, you know, how does this affect things in the future? And so that was really interesting to me, you know, what kind of mom Ryan became. I think she's a really good mom, um, but she's a very scared mom. You know, she's very scared. And, uh, and I can, sympathize with that you know I think you know parents especially contemporary parents of you know teenagers it's really it's a, it's a hard time to be raising kids and this book is set in 2019 not in you know <laughs> with all the things that happened you know after that we all um but yeah hmm. yeah I I really um you know I really enjoyed the two different um timelines myself because I think that you know so much of like what obviously Ryan goes through a lot of like things in the world that are like external things happening to her but a lot of the book is also about her like her inner life you know and her emotional journey and how she has come to view things that happen to her in a totally different light just with the passage of time and with you know growing up and becoming more mature and so I think that like dual timelines let you like illustrate that internal process if that makes sense yeah it does I mean I I think you know it'd be a very different book if the entire book were about her history you know Mm -hmm. and just 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 the the time in the past um you know alternates chapters and we get to see that sort of childlike perspective in the in the child you know, in the childhood chapters, but um, in the adult chapters, there's this opportunity to, it's like a new lens. Mm. It's like peering at all those things that happened with an sort of, sort of enlightened filter. Mm. You know, there's, there's a new way of looking at things. And I think she really hadn't done that. She's really forced to do that by the events that transpire Mm. are the things that force her out of her sort of you know, she's sort of escaped a little bit and is, you know, reclusive and, you know, just avoiding, avoiding. <laughs> and and this is, you know, this story is about making her confront things, um, including her mom, you know, but 
also the truth of, you know, how she was exploited and um, taken advantage of and, and um, you know, treated inappropriately by the adults in her life. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, there's, you know, something very interesting about both settings, like both the Vermont uh, Summerstock Theater where they live year round and then the West Beth in the city. They're both these kind of, you know, very, like, I want to say like hippy dippy, you know, like communal places where they do live this sort of like communal life together. And as you said, they are like, you know, raising this child together. But the book also does a really good job of showing like some of the, you know, the dark undercurrents also. And I think a lot of that has to do with the seventies too, you know, because like it, and, and the year it is in particular, like, I'd love to talk about that. Like this is a lot of this is happening in the blackout summer of 1977. And so there's a lot of like childhood excitement and a lot of like rosy, I guess like rose colored glasses, Right. You know, view of like what's happening, but then a lot of also kind of darker, scarier stuff. Right, right. Well, I, you know, I had this book when I was a little kid and it was a, it was such an interesting book. It was the Country Mouse, City Mouse book. Mm-hmm. And um, it had really like interesting illustrations not even illustrations, they were almost like 3D kind of photographs or something, but that book like had a huge impact on me as a kid because I grew up in Vermont in a really rural area, but I would go to New York City um, in the summers with my, or yeah, summers and winters with my dance teacher um, who would take a couple of us down to take master classes. Um, And so I was there like in New York City as a child. And so I I have very different memories, you know, like, I mean, I, I like, than, than my experience in New York now, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I wanted to go to that place. Like it was magical to me. And I know it was probably freaking terrifying. Like it was like, you know, you know, it was a sketchy, sketchy place. Like we did not go to Times Square, you know, there were places that we just did not go. Um, and the things that we saw on the street, you know, that I, as a child had no, you know, no perspective, no idea what was going on around me. And, um, and I really wanted to replicate that sense of wonder. And, you know, this is a time when the, the, um, tower, the twin towers had just been built, you know, and, um, and I wanted a place where she felt safe in the city, which is, um, this community, this West Beth community. Um, and, but there's always dangers lurking everywhere, you know, and, for me, Henri, the photographer character in the story, his really important character, um, he is capturing that that juxtaposition of her innocence and then the grit. <laughs> and you know, every there are a series of chapters in the book that are the actual photographs that he takes, their descriptions of the photographs that he takes, and and they're very. Um, I mean, I don't think Ryan sees this, but there's always something happening. You know, there's a one taken um, of her at the piers um, off of like Christopher Street area, which was where the gay community, gay men usually would go um, and be together. Um, And and so there's, you know, a scene where he takes her there and she can hear, you know, she knows there's something happening behind her, but, you know, she does, she's in the moment it's raining and, you know, there's this, this, innocence about her but he's capturing the background as well you know and so each of those I don't know if anybody me will get that you know but um that's what I was trying to do with those chapters was to really show what his artistic sensibility was and what he was doing with his art um and using her as this sort of you know just 
beautiful, innocent child, and then this really dirty, dark cityscape around her. Mm. Yeah, I I love that character. I thought Henri was so interesting, and his relationship with Ryan was very sweet and very tender. And I think that he did a lot of this sort of emotional work of parenting that like maybe Fiona didn't. Um, and the, oh, that reminds me too of the, you know, the quote that opens your book that talks about photographs. A photograph is a secret about a secret, which I think was it Diane Arbus who? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And she and, actually lived in West Bath. Really? That's where she died. Yeah. That's wow. where she took her life. Yeah. Was in West Bath. I learned so many fascinating things about that place. I mean, it was just, you know, incredible. The, the different people who live there but yeah she was one of the photographers who lived there Mm. yeah that is so that's very interesting I definitely want to know more about this place because I've been to the West Beth Theater but I didn't know that there was this also this community attached oh cool yeah yeah um but yeah, like I, that quote is so relevant, you know, because I think especially to Henri's photos, the way that you describe them, like they, like every photo that depicts something is also like choosing not to depict something else, you know, like, and so like, I don't know, it's just, it's a, it's an interesting way to use like the medium of photography to also play into like the themes that you're working with in this book. Right. Yeah. Well, I've, I'm a photographer as well. And so I often squeak a photographer <laughs> into my novels. Um, I mean, it just really interests me. The art form really interests me because it's storytelling. Right? It's mm-hmm. visual storytelling. Um, but there's also this sort of ethical, there's always this ethical question, you know, when you're taking photos. And I think, you know, Henri has a, a really interesting moral compass. Um, and when they're going through his photographs and, you know, you know ones that um he kept in a drawer called tristesse which is sadness Mm -hmm. he you know would capture things that he didn't feel were really for view you know that they belonged to the people he took the photos of and he would often return his photographs to the subjects which I think is sort of interesting Mm -hmm. and that becomes important near the end of the book but um yeah Absolutely. Yeah, I don't want to talk too much about, you know, the the thing that happens because we've been talking around it and it's a good idea because a lot of it is just so explosive and interesting, you know, and it it speaks to things that have happened in the last few years in the world. Um, When you were writing um, New York in the 70s, and West Beth, was there any uh, research that you did to sort of help you shape your depiction? Because it's very evocative and it's very specific in some of its details. And I was wondering what your your work was like to kind of recreate this past New York. Yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful um, to have spoken to two people um, who one is a, um, a former model who grew up there as a child in around that time, um, a little bit later, I think. Um, and the other woman still lives there she's an artist and they were both incredibly helpful um they just you know told me the little details like the fact that the ceilings are like waves and um you know just like the types of people that live there the games that children played there um like to to be there and um you know just like little things like there are these incredible um I don't know if you've been in the courtyard but there are these incredible balconies and it looks like an Escher drawing when you look up there's just these like interesting balconies and there are duplexes and the balconies are often the only way to get out like if there were a fire or something and so I had to like you know I had to learn about that like where would the balcony be how would 
<laughs> you know, um, what, you know, where would you go? And, and only somebody who had like lived there would be able to give those details and that information. Um, but I learned so many cool things like Robert De Niro's dad did live there oh, for a period. Wow. He's an artist. Um, Vin Diesel grew up there. Um, he had a uh, artist's family, both very bohemian childhood. And um, there's a little Easter egg in the book. And that's when Ryan um, talks about having gone to see a play in the Jane Hotel. And this little boy who's in the play, that little boy is actually Vin Diesel. <laughs> he was in a play, he was in a play about the um, about the uh, Natural History Museum, I guess that was that was performed at the Jane Hotel, which was right across from West Beth, like right you know right up the street. And um, so just some really cool things. And the puppeteer there at the West Beth, um, I mean the West Village uh, Halloween Parade actually did start. Its genesis was at West Beth, and there's a puppeteer who lives there I think he still lives there um who started it and you know and now it's grown into this enormous you know enormous thing but I, I there's a scene as you know in the book where there's the Halloween parade um and it was very early in its in its life back then so that was really fun and just so many you know I I love setting books in eras that are you know are sort of lost and getting all those really important details in. And um, I actually, the um, she and Henri take a walk down to the piers to take that photograph that I mentioned. And they cross by a couple of gay bars. And um, I actually <laughs> found those bars by watching a village people video <laughs> <laughs> from the seventies that showed like the awnings and the names of the bars. And I was like, oh my God, this is like perfect. This is exactly the street they would have been walking down. And, you know, just you get really creative. The internet is like the best thing in the world for a writer who wants to, you know, because when I started writing, I mean, that's how long I've been writing. Like we didn't, I didn't have that. Like there was, you know, <laughs> I couldn't just like Google earth something and look and be like, oh, you know, this is the way it looks now or, you know, find those wonderful historical resources that we have. And I sound like a, like a, you know, get off my lawn, but <laughs> it's true. Like it's magical. It's totally magical. You know, it is. I mean, like there's so much stuff that you would have had to like go to a library or some archive oh, and now you can Google it in two seconds, which is like exactly. super, super useful, I think, for that kind of like set dressing and, totally. you know, totally. And I think that it is so apt that you are like creating, recreating this lost world with 1970s New York, because like the scenes in the present really illustrate that, you know, because like, um, she's constantly marveling just at like how much has changed in the city since the last time she was there and how it's like, you know, the areas where like it used to be like down and out artists or up and coming artists or just marginalized people trying to make a living like are all like playgrounds for rich people now, you know? <laughs> totally, totally, exactly. And I mean, I've experienced both of those New Yorks, even though I'm not a New Yorker and I didn't grow up there. I definitely, my, the, the times that I've spent significant time in New York were in the mid seventies as a child and, you know, as an adult <laughs> in the last, you know, 10 years or whatever, 15 years when I've gone and, you know, for various things. And, um, it is, I, and we actually, my daughter is a ballet dancer and she spent four, 
we were four summers in New York city in the, in the summer. And, and I remember being so scared, like <laughs> sending her like what? And, and my um, agent at the time was like, no, 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 don't worry about it. You know, kids get on the subway here from the time they're 12 years old. Don't, you don't need to worry about it. I was like, are you kidding? And he's like, it's like Disneyland here. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, you don't have anything to worry about. And of course, I'm glad we did send her because now she's very savvy when it comes to, you know, getting navigating a city. But um, yeah, I, it was I had visions of like, you know, seriously, like Times Square with like triple X movies and peep shows and like drug addicts on the street and prostitutes <laughs> and all these you know, crazy, you know, things I had in my head that, you know, until I went and spent time there, I was like, oh, wow, it's really like <laughs> and clean and you know relatively um yeah. you know and 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 safe yeah Times Square in particular is like the biggest 180 because it yes it used to be all like sex shops and and right. brothels and now it's like where you can see the Lion King or the Harry Potter show you know totally. like it's just so 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 strange yeah. um but I kind of went through the same thing because like I went to I was at NYU from 2001 to 2005 oh, cool and when I was moving into my dorm, my mother was like, don't go in Washington Square Park. Don't go in Bryant Park. And when I finally got up to Bryant Park, I was like, this is lawyers eating lunch. Like what, <laughs> you know, like what, <laughs> what am I supposed to be afraid totally, of? <laughs> totally. That's so funny. I'm, the last time I was at Bryant Park was I was meeting my editor <laughs> for lunch. <laughs> so yeah, totally. Lots of, lots of businessy type of people, you know eating lovely meals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like overpriced salads, you know. <laughs> right, right. Um, one thing that I really thought was uh, cool too, um, I, I'm i really curious about like why it's set in the blackout summer because it is just like a very interesting time period for New York, but it also was like a very interesting time for the country because, you know, as I was thinking like, um, you know, 19... 76 was like this year of like amazing optimism it's like the bicentennial year and it's like wow yay way to go america and then the next year right. was just like blackouts summer of sam uh riots you know like it's just such a, right, right. a weird tumultuous time yeah yeah i mean it was sort of accidental that that happened i i knew i wanted ryan to be a certain age and she needed to be a certain age when she was discovered and so I kind of was like, all right, here I am in the middle of the seventies, which is also a time that's pretty vivid in my own memory. And, and then I was like, as I was researching and I, you know, I, the film summer of Sam so good with John Leguizamo. And I was like, oh my God, I'm in that place. Like I'm, I'm here, you know, and all these things just started falling into place, you know, like her really genuine concerns about her mom being out and not being in touch and a killer being on a loose targeting, you know, women who look like her mother, um, you know, that was really like serendipitous in terms of the writing and, um, and the blackout, of course, you know, they're living in this, this building that can you imagine, you know, if the lights went out at a place like that. And so I actually asked the woman, Christina Mail, who um, helped me with some of my research and, uh, and she had two little boys then. And I was like, what, what do you remember about that night, you know, and, and she said, oh, I, I put sleeping bags out on the balcony for the, the boys and they slept out on the balcony. And I was like, oh, what a cool story. It didn't make its way into the book. But, you know, I was thinking like, 
this is like perfect. You know, sometimes there's just things that happen that are, that are magical when you're writing where all of a sudden the, the historical, you know, reality of that time and the context all of a sudden starts feeding the story. And I was like, oh my God, the blackout happened that summer. How perfect is this? And I actually did not have a title for the photograph that's at the heart of the story for a very long time, probably mm -hmm. until uh, I would say almost my last draft. And then I was like, oh my God, of course it's called Blackout 1977. Like, of course it is, you know, all this time I've been like, it's a mystery and you know, what am I gonna call this photograph? <laughs> and then there it was and it was perfect, you know, and um, things like that happen. And that's part of the joy of being a writer is, you know, watching that that sort of, like I said, serendipity, you know, of, of the, the truth and reality of the world you're creating all of a sudden just serving as, you know, fodder for the story. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting, I think, like those moments that sort of like retroactively become these kind of like, you know, flashpoints or like interesting turning points in history. And it's, it's interesting to have that awareness going forward too, because every once in a while I'll be doing something that I'm like, oh, this is very like, this is very right now. And I, I always like tell my husband, I'm like, if this were like a period piece film, this would be like the detail right. that they use to tell you that it's like 2022. Right, right. Um, oh, how funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, so, when you're living, I think we're acutely aware of, you know, the fact that we're living history <laughs> right now, whereas we probably didn't feel that way, you know, in other decades, but oh man. <laughs> that, that has to be true. Yeah. Because like, I, I always think too about how like in the seventies, like you probably would have watched like a half hour, maybe one hour of news per day. Mm -hmm. And that would be like your awareness of like global right. politics. And now you just know everything happening everywhere. Every minute. All the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, our joke is when the, when the actual news news, like network news comes on at night and you're like, and they're like breaking news and it's 12 hours old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. We read about this this morning as soon as it happened, you know, and as we come on the air and it's like, no, that's <laughs> not even so a true. thing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. It's like, I've already read like, you know, 12 bad takes about this on Twitter and <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> seriously. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming to talk about this book. I, I loved it so much and I'm really excited for everybody else to get to read it too. Oh, well, thank you. And I just want to say how much I love libraries and I love librarians. Um, and there's a library. I always try to plant a library in my book. And so there's the library in the village <laughs> that oh. I put in there. <laughs> I, oh my gosh. Um, Ryan is the reader. <laughs> Yeah. I love that library. It's so magical. I haven't been yet. And I I, that's a, <laughs> I need to, to go do a, a, a such a pretty girl field trip. I, I have been on on the in the courtyard of West Beth, but I haven't been inside. Hmm. And so I would love to do that. I'd love to go to the library and, and to the very sanitized Times Square. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so before we go, um, are, is there anything that you're able to talk about, about what's next for you? Are you working on anything right now? Or I am. Um, I um, am working on the final revisions of a book called The Still Point, and it is set in the world of pre-professional ballet, and it's about mothers. <laughs> Surprise, mm -hmm. rise, and daughters. <laughs> and ambition and art, <laughs> those, those very similar themes that keep popping up, but a very different world from such a pretty girl. It's, um, it's actually my first book really set in Southern California, which is where I live during the year. Um, so that's kind of fun. Yeah. I haven't really explored that home yet. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Well, when that comes out, I hope that you'll consider coming back to the show and talking about I that because this of has been course. really great. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, this has been fun. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, okay, listeners, uh, you can pick up Such a Pretty Girl at your nearest independent bookstore or library as of the airing of this episode. And it is truly fantastic. This has been Jen in conversation with Tammy Greenwood. And it is now time to close this chapter. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.